The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Take it lower. Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The NBA Finals start tonight. I will have to eat horse poop if the NBA Finals go to seven games. That's how predictable I find this league to be. That's how overmatched I believe Cleveland to be. Watching LeBron's fun. Watching Golden State dominance is fun. It's the best player ever against one of the best teams ever. That should mean for an exciting series, right? But I think it'll be anticlimactic. Series prediction. Golden State wins the first two games at home. LeBron wins Game 3 in Cleveland. And then Golden State finishes up the gentleman's sweep. But for those of you who, like me, know the outcome and want it to be more interesting, if it goes 7, I eat poop. From a horse. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. USA Today has done a story about Major League Baseball attendance dropping. It is the lowest average attendance to this point in 15 years. And driving around town, you hear radio shows trying to fix baseball. Standing guy tried to fix baseball. God love him. They can't. That station across the street was trying to fix baseball. They can't. Mark Madden trying to fix baseball. He can't. Everyone's missing the point on this conversation. Because the conversation they want to have is how can we save this thing? How can we preserve it? How can we make baseball fun again for people who are more interested in the faster-moving sports. In a world where everything moves fast, how can we get them interested in baseball? And here's the harsh, bleak reality for all the baseball lifers out there. It can't be saved. How's that for your conversation? You either like baseball or you don't. Taking games away fixes it from a macro attention span point of view. Cutting down innings is dumb because you bastardize the game. Taking infielders and saying you have to have two on one side of second base and two on the other side of second base, you're just bastardizing strategy. Taking away walks, okay, you just intentional walk. You don't have to throw the baseball anymore. Oh, great, that saved it. Mound visits, oh, that saved it. I get why baseball and the commissioner of baseball feels like they need to do stuff to get baseball back to its prominence again. But I fear that baseball will never, ever be back to prominence again. I fear that the conversation isn't about what can we do to save baseball, but how long do we have to watch baseball? How about that? How about Joe Musgrove? That guy's got sack. Here's what he said following the game. Quote, we're not trying to fight anybody here. We're not trying to cause any problems. But you blindside our catcher when he's got no chance to defend himself. I thought he cleared a lane. MLB decided that it was a bad slide. Conversely, I slid directly into the bag, end quote. Joe Madden called out Elias Diaz for not having a better internal clock while Rizzo was bearing down on him, and that was not lost on Musgrove, who went on to say, quote, you talk about an internal clock? Baez saw me coming. I was right in front of him. If he wanted to get out of the way, he should have. I wasn't trying to hurt him by any means. I was just going hard, like their guy did. 
So he should have gotten out of the way, I guess. Balls. Stones. Sack. Cojones. Testicular fortitude. Metal. The Pirates didn't do anything for 48 hours to stick up for Elias Diaz. And then the dude, who's the newest Pirate, sticks up for him when he's on the base as a pitcher. And then Diaz came over and slapped Musgrove on the butt after it happened. This guy's already going to be a fan favorite. He's 2-0 in his brief bucko career. He picked the dude off at second base. He got a hit. He laid down a bunt. He's a baller. But it was that slide at second base that made me like the guy. We've seen a lot of good pitchers come through town. Who are the ones that have been the most beloved lately? A.J. Burnett. He was a bear and a bastard on the mound. Garrett Cole, when he was great, was a bear and a bastard on the mound. Those were the most popular Pirates pitchers because they had attitude and they got the job done. Musgrove has attitude, and so far he's getting the job done. And I thought that this Pirates clubhouse was going to deteriorate. I talked about it on the show yesterday. I don't think this is very good at all. They don't seem like they're a great clubhouse. Maybe, just maybe, Musgrove brought it together a little bit yesterday. Maybe. All I know is that his baseball play was a baseball play. He did slide for the bag. Now, he overslid the bag, and it's probably a rules violation, but at least he got the spirit of it right. He was legitimately trying to break up a double play and legitimately going towards second base. Whereas Rizzo, instead of sliding for the plate, he slid for Diaz. Good for Musgrove. I'm not going to say good for the Pirates. They didn't have the courage to act up. No pitcher threw at Anthony Rizzo. Clint Hurdle clearly did not have an edict out to say, you've got to throw at this guy, you've got to throw at someone. And Musgrove said, oh, I'm going to take it under my own wings, baby. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he did. And consider the circumstances that had to happen for that to happen. He's a pitcher. He had to get on base. And then he had to have the wherewithal to be a ball player. When's the last time this guy ran the bases? High school? He's been an AL pitcher. Most minor league systems, you're a DH. You ain't out there. Smart baseball play, ballsy baseball play, might be a unifier for this Pirates clubhouse. And whether or not that means they're going to ascend to playoff heights, I don't know. Except I think I do, and they're not going to. But at least you have a reason to watch now, right? Because you can root for that guy. And you can root for Austin Meadows. When he's in the damn lineup. Hey, Clint Hurley, you want people to come to games? Put Austin Meadows in the lineup. He played last night, didn't have a hit. But he had two walks. He cut off a double in the outfield. Got the ball in quickly. He's a solid baseball player. And he's not in the lineup today. Because, of course, he's not. Because they're treating Gregory Polanco with freaking kids' clubs. As long as Meadows keeps playing like this, you keep him in the lineup. And, well, Clint Hurdle's not. As for Musgrove, the Garrett Cole trade is looking better for now. For now. We don't want to overreact here. I'm sure Tim Williams is. I'm sure that other Pirates apologists are. Last week, I said the Pirates should have put Musgrove in the bullpen, where he's been far more effective in his career. For now, I'm wrong in that one, too. I thought they were doing it just to justify the Garrett Cole trade, and it sure as hell looks like they were doing it now because he's the best guy for the job. He's got a .64 ERA in two starts against two good teams in the Cards and the Cubs. He got 12 strikeouts in 14 innings. Guy's been great. 
And if he can be an effective starter, plus you see the success of Moran, I think right now you could say it's a pretty good trade. For now, it looks okay. Garrett Cole's a stud. Still don't have him. But in his two starts, Musgrove has been very good. You can at least see why the Pirates wanted these guys. And I couldn't see that when the deal got made. Now, he still got traded for the wrong reasons, but at least you understand why they wanted the return that they got. Moran's gotten 112 OPS+. plus. He's got an OPS of 775. He's been a pretty good player for this club at third base. For now, the Pirates have done a good job in the trade. Again, despite the fact that the trade was made for the wrong reasons. We've already had two good jelly beans over the first two games of the Stanley Cup Final. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I think that if a series goes seven games, it doesn't mean that it's automatically a great series. Tom and Brian disagree. A lot of people on Twitter disagreed. Kellen disagreed. He's in studio today. Our new guy, the intern Jerome, he disagreed. So maybe I'm on an island. But I made a terrible analogy. And here it is. If I gave you seven jelly beans. Oh my God, what? And you ate all of them. Yeah. Jelly beans? Just listen. And only two of them tasted good. Okay. Would you say that the jelly beans were good? No, those jelly beans were fine. That's not even where, where do you draw the analogy between yeah. the jelly beans and the seven-game yeah. NBA series? There was a jelly bean in the what? NBA at one point. Like, that's as close as it gets. Two good games so far in the Stanley Cup Final. One great game and one good one last night. Two good jelly beans out of two. Right now, series is great. It was also great because there was some vigilante justice in yesterday's hockey game. I bitched to high heaven about Tom Wilson being a punk. He tries to hurt people, and the league doesn't do enough to stop him. So last night, Ryan Reeves chopped him in the face. How am I supposed to feel there? I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I really don't. I don't want to see any hockey player get hurt, get concussed, have CTE later in his life because of a dirty play. I don't want to see it. But if the league is not going to do anything about it, Somebody does have to. I don't want to see crap like that, but he deserved it. Capitals players were tripping all over themselves trying to talk about how bad the Vegas hits were and how bad Ryan Reeves' chop was last night. But it's hard for them to do it when they defended Wilson so vigorously. They were twisting themselves into word pretzels. I loved it. Meanwhile, in baseball, the Pirates bitched about Rizzo's slide. So did the fans. So did the media. And then they were downright giddy after last night's Musgrove slide. So, if the leagues don't step in and make the initial rules violator pay, are you okay with vigilante justice? Alan Saunders, who's a good follow on Twitter, for instance, is against it. Others on Twitter are saying that those that want blood are hypocrites. Perhaps it is hypocritical, but you can't just sit back and take it. I've never thought of myself as a vigilante justice guy, but Musgrove did good by his teammates. So did Reeves, which means it probably was a good thing. I think karma dictates. Joe Madden's a son of a bitch, so his team deserves to feel it a little too. Meanwhile, Tom Wilson absolutely deserves what he gets. But are you on board with players policing themselves? 412-922-2874. Gerald Hawkins at Steelers OTAs had what looked to be a Knee injury, now they're saying it's a torn quadricep. Ooh. Jake McGee got hurt as well. Hawkins was supposed to fill in for Hubbard this year and be the team's swing 
tackle. That looks like it might be out of the question. There have been a bunch of injuries in OTAs all around football. Now Antonio Brown is not going to be there. Ben Roethlisberger was not there this week. And you hear what they said? Ben Roethlisberger is not there because of family vacation. Well, never knew that these OTAs were coming up. And A.B. said, well, it's not worth being there if I'm not getting balls thrown to me from the number one quarterback. Le'Veon Bell is in no way a sympathetic figure. But he's not under contract. And this is exactly why he's not at OTAs. It's exactly why. Why blow out your knee when you know the offense? Why blow out your knee when you know the offensive line that's blocking ahead of you? Why blow out your knee when you could be on a beach in Miami somewhere hanging out with some hot chicks? Why do it? For as much as I have not loved the way that Le'Veon's handled this particularly lately, I think this was the smart move for him. And you can catch our OTAs coverage from 10 o'clock until 1 next week, Tuesday through Thursday, on Steelers Nation Radio. Brian Colangelo might not have done the tweeting. Might have been his wife. At least that's what they're saying. Chris Carter once talked about having a fall guy. Is this what's happening here? Or is it his wife? Either way, this was the only move. This is the brilliant way of trying to get out of it. That's exactly what you have to do, right? It's the only option. You've got to blame the wife or else you're losing your job. And frankly, she should want to take the fall here because what's going to happen to her? Nothing. Joel Embiid's not going to come to their house and smack her in the face. The organization can't get rid of her. She's got to take the fall. It's awful, but it's life. And a good spouse would take that blame. It's the subject of my unsponsored Twitter poll today on the Crowley Show, at underscore Adam Crowley. Would you blame your wife for something if it meant you could keep your job? 60% of the people are saying yes right now. There's also this floating around on Twitter.com. Your favorite athlete ever in each sport. It's kind of lame, but it sucked me in. It sucked me in this damn slow point of the sports season. It sucked me in so good. NFL Troy Polamalu. NHL Sidney Crosby. MLB Jack Wilson. NBA Allen Iverson. College ball Deshaun Butler. And college football Tavon Austin. All right, that's all a lie. I'm going Lima Swede. I'm going Rico Fata. I'm going to leave Jack Wilson there. Who's a terrible pit bat, uh, football player? That's, Let's just pick one. Yeah, it's a joke. Uh, the joke writes itself there. Who's a terrible pit basketball player? Oh, they don't have any in the roster. There's that joke, too. We'll talk to Tim Benz of Breakfast with Benz about all that. We got Mark Caboli at 520 talking about OTAs. In the absence of the quarterback and the number one wide receiver, but Benzie's next. It's the Crowley Show. Joe Musgrove is badass. And that's really the topic today, which means we're going to find other stuff to talk about with Tim Benz from Breakfast with Benz. He is the official vampire of the Crowley Show. Benzie, how are you today? Yeah, the slide heard around the world. It took 15 minutes for Pirates fans across Twitter to dub him the next A.J. Burnett. I, I feel like that's all Pirates fans have been doing since the playoff teams were disbanded. It's just, who can we call the next A.J. Burnett? But isn't 
Musgrove way too young to be called A.J. Burnett. Don't you have to be old and grizzled and hardened and given up upon by multiple teams before you get that A.J. Burnett panache and charm? Well, he was given up by one, so he's on his way, Tim. He just needs the years. Eventually the Pirates will give up on him, too. Yeah, they probably will, but they'll give up on him in the prime of his career so he can be A.J. Burnett elsewhere, kind of like Charlie Morton is for Houston. That's true, and then somebody else will be the Joe Musgrove for the Pirates, and the whole thing will repeat itself. Hey, this Austin Meadows guy, he's the next McCutcheon too, right? No, because they're sitting him down. It's pissing me the hell off, Tim, that he's not in the lineup today, and I don't even care that much, but it's pissing me off. Yeah, McCutcheon could get to play through just about anything before Hurdle panicked eventually and sat him down for that whole Atlanta series. But this guy, they want to make sure he's good and cooled off before they play him again. Let's let's stop with this whole hitting thing. Enough of that. Yeah, he's playing too well. We don't want that. We can't have that continue. No, because the better he plays, the less likely it is that Polanco gets back into a groove. We need to, need to get Polanco back into a groove so he can justify his paycheck. Tim, am I a hypocrite because I hate... Yes. Okay. But go ahead. I'll just verify it anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. I believe that that will be the conclusion that is reached. I don't like, typically, vigilante justice. At least I've said that. But I found myself wanting blood yesterday in a couple of scenarios. I loved Ryan Reeves taking a chop to the face of Tom Wilson. And I love watching Musgrove slide. I've turned into one of these meat-eating... Uh, people who needs to see blood, needs to see retribution. If the leagues aren't going to do something, do something about it yourself. Let's go. That's the key part of the phrase. That's what prevents you from being a hypocrite. Okay, good. So no, you're not a hypocrite. Because if the league doesn't take care of matters itself, then you have to take care of yourself. Uh, and you have to do it for them. Uh, if the league isn't going to step up and prevent something bad from happening after it's got evidence that something bad has happened, then it's certainly within your right to answer back. That's my opinion. No, actually, I take that back. It's not in your right, but you should do it anyway. I happen to think that plunking somebody with a fastball in the butt is pretty passive. You know, if you throw 90 miles an hour to somebody's butt or backside, just for the sake of it, when the other person knows it's coming, I got the impression that was all going to be anticlimactic when Rizzo came up anyway the next night. I kind of like the way it played out last night. It's funny that it was another pitcher that did it, but that's a better way to do it. Just unfortunately, it happened uh, one game too late for it to mean as much. Well, and it wasn't premeditated then, right? Because it wasn't an edict from Clint Hurdle. you got to get back at him. I think Musgrove probably thought in his own head, if I got a shot, I'm going to do it. His quotes after the game made me feel like he was smart enough to think through it as it was happening. But this wasn't something that Clint Hurdle said, oh, you got to go out there and get retribution. No, unless he said something on the way of the next chance you have in the base pass, take true. him out, take him out. Maybe he did that, and they just. But that's like we just talked about. It's hard to diagram that. You can always diagram him with a throw at somebody, and right. you can either be too malicious and throw at him up and in at their head or at their wrist and end their season for something that was now one step further than just running into the catcher, or. You can do it passively and just make it show like you made some sort of effort by plunking them on the butt. Um, the way it turned out on the field was very fitting. It's just odd it came from the pitcher and it came one game too late. Cause, you know, how do you duplicate that kind of play? It's not like hockey where somebody comes at you up in the head area and you break Zach Aston Reese's jaw. You can turn around and do that to Tom Wilson, too, if you get the opportunity. That's kind of why fighting is stupid in hockey. 
Um, you know, unless the guy can answer for himself, they got the fighting code of who can fight somebody else, and then it just devolves into the two goons having a stage fight and dropping their gloves. Like, that to me is not vigilante justice in your definition or description. That is just going through the process. Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz, joining us here on the Crowley Show. The one thing I hated from Clint Hurdle was that he dropped a quote right after the Rizzo game that was almost like the best revenge is living well. Well, not when you're the Pirates. You can't just go out there and expect to beat the Cubs and that be your only revenge. Right, because you can't expect to beat the Cubs. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and we're not, not, we're not yeah, going to hit you, Tim. We're not going to hit you with a fastball, but we're also going to lose to you. You take that. Yeah, just you watch. We'll lose to you, but we'll keep it close. <laughs> it's also like if the Pirates were in first place, or this was a legit pennant race, or later in the season, or you know they were in first place and second place by ten games in front of the rest of the division. Then yeah, I would buy that, but they're not. So you know, get scratching out a five-three win against Chicago, uh, coming off a Memorial Day weekend, it's something that gets forgotten about in the grand analysis even if they had won that game. Like, you know, honestly, like three months later, you know, when the Cubs come back to town at some point and, and Rizzo does something like this again, we're not going to remember that the Pirates would have won that game in hurdle scenario. We just would have remembered that they didn't do anything about it. Tim, let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, the media is taking it on the chin from Penguins fans, and you've been talking about the Phil Kessel Defense Foundation. I don't get it. I just... <laughs> It's because of what happened to him in Toronto, and now Penguins fans feel like it's their job to make sure that nothing like this happens to Phil Kessel here. Meanwhile, it's not the media doing it to Phil Kessel. It's the team trying to move the guy. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I wrote about it in the trip today, and I hope the entire Phil Kessel Defense Foundation reads it and gets mad at me about it because I want you to be mad because I don't like you. Like, <laughs> if you are part of the Phil Kessel Defense Foundation, I don't like you. Because you have taken your, <clears throat> like you said, Adam, job too far. Uh, you said you don't get it? No, just by the way you set that question up, you do get it. The biggest reason why there is such a wall built around Phil Kessel by this fan base is that the fan base actually wants to give itself credit for Kessel's success here. That's exactly it. What you alluded to is exactly right. Because Kessel is treated more nicely here by the fans and the media, the fans feel like they have partial ownership of his two rings because they were kinder to him than they were in Toronto. And because, you know, his brutish kind of sulky nature turns into funny gifts and memes on the Internet, that means that we're helping him so credit us. That's where this comes from. That's where this is born from. And it's annoying because... What, the media then can never say a negative thing about Phil Kessel? Nary a word can be said or else you're trying to run out of town like they did in Toronto? I mean, how many times have you read that on the Internet from Penguins fans over the last two weeks? And no one is doing that. That's the ironic part about this whole thing with Kessel is most of the reporters that I have seen put stories out there about Kessel, the vast majority of them are not endorsing a trade. They're not saying this should happen. They're telling the fans the team is looking into it. But more of the guys that I listen to and read than not are on the other side of the fence that say what should happen is they should just suck it up, put them on a line with Evgeny Malkin, and roll two top scoring lines next year. They're of the opposite opinion and want them to stay. That's the great irony here, and I'm in that group. 
As am I. I'd rather him be here. But if they move him, they move him. And I believe that Jim Rutherford's going to do a damn good job in moving him because more than not, he's done a damn good job. This is the weirdest hockey town in America. It has to be because... Adam, Adam, I could go on the air right now. I could on the on your radio show, which is listened to by literally millions and millions yes. of people daily. If you count the online streaming, by the way, great. Speak, speaking of streaming, great streaming from Tom and your cheese teas today. That was that was stellar. That's the sign of a good young prostate, right there. Yes, That's it is solid work. Um, but I could go on the air right now with you and say that Mario Lemieux is running a sweatshop. Uh, out of the UPMC Center in Cranberry, and that's how the Penguins get all their jerseys for sale. Oh, and by the way, when he sells those jerseys, he's running running a dog fighting ring with it. I could say that, and I would get less blowback than I would <laughs> for anything negative about Phil Kessel. It's just ridiculous. And people assume that this is the media getting back at Phil because Phil doesn't talk to us. Uh, let me make this abundantly clear. I never want to talk to Phil Kessel again. I never wanted to talk to him in the first place. One time I wanted to talk to him to get a quote about the extent of his injury on locker cleanout day to day. That was, or this year. That was it. That's the only time I really wanted to talk to Kessel, and that was to get a specific answer. He's the worst quote in the room. The English as a second language guys, all of them are better quotes than <laughs> Phil Kessel. So I don't care if he ever talks. That's not where this is coming from. Tim, it sounds like you really don't like Phil Kessel and you want him out of town. I want his fans out of town. If I could root for Kessel independently of his fan base getting the similar amount of enjoyment that I would watching him play and score, that would be a dream scenario for me. But I, I don't – I have no problem with Kessel. I love watching him play. He's entertaining to watch as a player. He's important to the team. I don't want to see him go. I want to see all of his fans leave. That's what I want. Well, that's what I was about to say about Pittsburgh, the hockey town. They care more about the individual player, I think, than they do the logo on the front of the jerseys. Uh, think about the Sidney Crosby versus Evgeny Malkin fights that you'll see in the mentions, more so a couple of years ago than now. Uh, think about Marc-Andre Fleury, the way he's being supported out there in Vegas now. And now Phil Kessel, it's got to be the only town that does that, the player over the team in this kind of fashion. Uh, I would say that. Dynamic occurred in L.A. with Shaq and Kobe, too, wouldn't you? Oh, it's a really good point. It is. But that's West you know, Coast. doesn't count. Let's keep it here in the East. Yeah, it's the NBA. Of course, you can't mention the NBA in an NHL conversation. That's Chris Long. Um, <laughs> uh, so, all right, I'll take it away. Hockey-wise, you might be right. I, I don't know. I'll, I have to think about that hockey-wise. I mean, you're right. I mean, I don't think off the top of my head, I don't know a lot of Blackhawk fans or anything like that, but they don't do that with Kane and Taves as much, do they? Like they used to do with Sid and Gino or – you know, as has been the case in recent years, Murray and Fleury, no. How You're did, right, Adam, and when it comes to hockey in Pittsburgh, it's always going to be a star-oriented town. Mario first, Yager second, Sid and Gino after that, and even when Yager was here after Mario, they didn't support the team as much as they should have, given Yager's unique individual talents, uh, knowing their propensity to fall in love with stars. So you're you're exactly right on that. Now that I think about it, was Raymond Bork's championship with Carolina celebrated throughout Boston? I believe it was. Colorado. What did I say? Carolina. Carolina, yes, thank you. No, was it celebrated throughout? Yeah, but that's not the same thing, though. No, it's not. Not in that. That's more along the lines of Marc-Andre Fleury, but we're not going to see a parade for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's definitely the stronger analogy. Yes. Right, yeah. If Fleury had 
if Flurry wins the cup, it'll be celebrated in a similar manner as it was here. But that was more along the lines of win one for Raymond as opposed to we still love you and miss you and wish you were here to a certain degree. Um, that was just, boy, it's a shame he could never win one here because he was so worthy of it. I've got one quick thing for you and one long thing. Which one do you want first? <laughs> give me give me your long thing, Adam. Yeah, I was just about to say, unfortunately for my wife, she gets the quick thing and the short thing. Yeah, why do they have to be mutually exclusive? Those are two different sets of uh, description, right? Yes. The long thing is this. Uh, around Twitter.com, there's been people saying their favorite athletes in every sport. Uh, I don't know why it's out there, but it's out there, and it sucked me in. So your favorite athletes in each of the major sports? Oh, that's not going to be too long. I can do that quickly. Oh. Uh, growing up, it was Terry Bradshaw in football, the Steelers. Uh, Recky was my favorite hockey player ever, the Penguins. Van Slyke in center field for the Pirates. Larry Bird, because I grew up a Celtic fan. Uh, Charles Smith and that Pitt-era basketball yeah. team brought, brought me into college basketball. So Charles Smith, Dan Marino on the football side for college football. I'll even give you tennis and golf if you want. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Connors. I grew up in a Connors household. My dad was a really good tennis player growing up, and he loved Connors, so I love Connors. And uh, Jack Nicholas. I, I love Nicholas. And I think just about the only golf tournaments I watched when I was a kid growing up were if uh, Jack was playing on Sunday. That's a pretty Can good, pretty good, well thought out list. I didn't see it tweeted either. Did you tweet it? No, I didn't. Hmm. Uh, you're the first person to bring it up to me. To be honest with you, I missed that. Oh, I'm so happy that we're talking about this. I'm so happy I'm the first to know. Now for maybe, the... maybe if I go on a family vacation like Ben Roethlisberger, I'll have more time to surf Twitter and, and put out cute things like this online. Well, in Ben's defense, the OTAs did sneak up on him. <laughs> he had no idea when they were going to be. He just had no clue. Neither did Brady. They had no idea. Yeah, how about Brady? Did you see him throw the yacht-to-yacht pass for Tag Heuer? <laughs> I did not. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard, though, for the for the clothing company. Yeah, he did a commercial shoot for Tag Heuer while he was away from OTAs. And I think it was a race car driver, like a Formula One guy who was on the other yacht. And he threw it from yacht one to yacht two with Ginger Spice interviewing him while he did hey, it. Hey, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. That's better. I'm sure she looks better than OTAs. She doesn't look like Giselle, but she looks pretty good. Well, no one does. Uh, here's the now what will be the – see, I knew, I knew it. I knew it was going to go long. We'll go with the short thing here. Is a series automatically good if it goes seven games? Well, that's a deep question. See, that's a harder question to me. Are you saying, like, this one is going to go seven games? Which one are you talking about, the, the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs, or are you talking about hockey? Uh, I thought that the Western Conference Finals in the NBA – was not a great series, despite it going seven games and everyone going gaga over it. You know what? Actually, it just popped in my head. Here, I'll, I'll give you an example of a seven-game series that actually wasn't any good until the end. You know where I'm going with it now? No. 1960. Oh, we, we did bring that up before. We did bring that up before. That became a great series because right. of Game 7. But to me, that's the outlier. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you're asking if it can happen. Yes, it can happen, and that's that's the kind of example. If, if none of the games are all that close, wasn't there? Wasn't the Yankees Braves series kind of like that too? Until Jim Larratt's homered, or there was one. There was one Yankee series that was like that when they were really good. That went seven, and none of the individual games were all that good. 
I understand the intrigue factor between games, but I'd like the games to be entertaining, too. I need most of the games in a seven-game series to be entertaining for me to consider it an all-time great or even a great series. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible to have a seven-game series where the series itself isn't great, but the end result is. Like, if you build to a climactic point in Game 7, you have a great Game 7, kind of like what happened with Yankees-Pirates in 1960, and... You know, this, this, for people who don't know, I mean, 1960, the Yankees dominated three games. The Pirates kind of hung around and scratched their way through three, and they got to Mazeroski in the end. But, you know, I don't think history would have looked back at that series if the Yankees had won 9-1, to like they kind of won all their other games, and said, boy, what a great series, huh? Uh, in fact, I think it would be the opposite. So, yes, I do think it's possible. Tim, really good stuff, man. By the way, I think you might have burner accounts. For my phone or for Twitter? <laughs> well, now I'm thinking both. <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. If you see the number of athletes that block me on Twitter, and yet I still manage to get their tweets <laughs> and put them online, I think you know the answer to that, don't you? Ah, I love it. Thanks for your time, buddy. All right, later, man. Everybody read Breakfast with Benz. It's good stuff. It helps me with my show prep every morning. I find Tim incredibly entertaining, and boy, does he rile you people up. Coming up next... Favorite athlete ever? I want to hear from you. Eh, sort of. I want to hear from Tom and Brian. And we've got around the bags and Grandma D. Jam-packed final segment of the hour. It's Crowley Show. Your favorite players in the major sports. It's a topic on Twitter. I have stolen it, commandeered it for the purposes of the Crowley Show. Brian LaMartina with me. Tom Offerman. Shirtless Tom. Behind the glass. Tom, favorite NFL player. Of all time? Mm-hmm. Wow, it's almost it's like a, you didn't know this question was coming. Uh, it's so hard. It's putting me on the spot like this. Surprise, Tom. You know, I'm I'm struggling to pick between Stafford and Cutler, but I'm just going to have to go with Jake Cutler because he had sort of that effort attitude. Oh, if you're going effort, then it is... It's Mr. Jake Cutler. And they hated each other back in the oh, day. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Back when they were in the same division, but no longer. NHL. Marc-Andre Fleury. Loser. It's an easy one. Yeah, you're a loser. <laughs> that would also have been mine if it wasn't yours. NBA. Oh, it's LeBron James. You can't pick LeBron. No, it's LeBron James. I pick Iverson. That's a good one. It is. But LeBron's way better. Agreed. And what are we missing? NBA. We just did that. Oh. Probably should go <laughs> yeah, to the LeBron's NBA. in the NBA. Man. I just tune out <laughs> anytime there's NBA the, uh, talk. That's probably going to MLB now. Oh, yes. Baseball. The dying sport. I'd probably go with Mike Trout. He's unbelievable. He is. He's by far the best player in the game today. There's no one even close. That's a cop-out. Agreed. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. I thought I was getting to... First base. With Brian Colangelo, but it wound up being his wife. Actually turned out better for me. Joe Musgrove's got a .64 ERA. The Pirates have won three at 12, and he's won two of those games. He's becoming, in short order, the Pirates' stopper. 12 strikeouts over 14 innings. He's got great stuff. The Cubs had the bases loaded in the first with one out, and he struck out the next two batters. That's baller. That is A.J. Burnett-like. Sorry, Benzie. Clint Hurdle had faith in him already as he allowed him to pitch the seventh after getting out of the jam in the sixth. That's showing faith in a guy you don't know very well. And that's not even to mention the slide at second base and the subsequent conversation with Javier Baez. That's baseball. That's having your team's back. 
Joe Madden can't get to second base. Because he can't take off bras because he wears fake glasses. Austin Meadows is hitting 419 in his Pirates career. He's only struck out three times in 43 at-bats. He's got more home runs than strikeouts. He's got as many stolen bases as strikeouts. And yet he's not in the lineup today. Great job, Clint. He didn't have a hit yesterday, yet he cut off a would-be double in the gap, and he walked twice. I will say it again. He must remain in the lineup while he's this hot. His lack of production in AAA was obviously due to injury, because this kid can play. He will go through slumps. He will have his struggles, but this kid can play. Have we ever seen Polanco look this good? And people rave about the talent that he's got all the damn time. Meadows has star potential. He's one of the reasons, even if the Pirates wind up stinking, to watch the team. Hopefully the Vegas Golden Knights don't blow it all on third base. You'd like to see him finish at the appropriate time. Been an issue for me. How important is Josh Harrison for this team? I said that Adam Frazier can be a solid replacement. I was wrong. Harrison was 2-for-4 last night with a leadoff home run. The guy's hitting 286. With him, there really aren't that many holes in the lineup. Certainly not when Austin Meadows is in there. He makes a huge difference. He got the pressure off the team last night by scoring immediately. He led the game off with a home run. Even the score, pressure, gone. When... Going for home. Joe Musgrove gives it, and he never takes it. Good to see Felipe Rivero get the save last night, throwing 11 of 14 pitches for strikes. The bullpen didn't need to do much, but it did enough. Crick was efficient, didn't allow a base runner in his inning of work. 12 pitches, 10 for strikes, solid. They needed that. Hi! That'll do it for today's edition of Around the Bags. Adam rained down on that segment with some swift vigilante justice. Hey, my favorite vigilante, now that you mentioned it, is of course Batman. What a crazy cat that guy is. Dressing up like a bat, flying around Gotham. Hey, I'm sure his parents love watching him fight that crime. Back to you, Adam. Hey, Brian, what are your favorite athletes of all time? What sport, Adam? Let's go in the full. Uh, in the full? I got to go back far. NFL? Because I'm an old guy. Going yeah. back deep? Yeah, Danny White. Danny First White? First guy I really got into, loved him. Posters yeah. on your wall? Yeah, absolutely. I had a Danny White poster. Yep. And like Tom Landry a lot, too. Like those, uh, two guys. Yeah, those two guys were so cool. Tom Landry had great hats. Oh, great hats. Swagger. Yep. They should still wear suits on the sideline. How about that? I think they should. How about man? that That's, for a take? Yeah, that just shows class. Yeah. That's what that does. Imagine Jim Tom Sula in a suit. Not that he's coaching anymore, but he would, well, he'd look like he used car sales, but MLB? MLB uh, would be Rick Dempsey. Remember Rick Dempsey? Catcher for the O's? He's the rain delay guy. Dude, he's the rain delay guy. And that was the thing as a kid. You know, you like going to the park, you like baseball, and rain out would always suck. But it was always awesome. And not only was he an incredible catcher, I mean, he was a, just a mean MFer behind that plate. But, like, you'd almost wish for a rain delay because he would do these crazy slideshows. Like, he'd go out to left field and he'd just sprint before they'd get the tarp on and he'd just slide 
down from third base and try to make it as far as he could. And then once they got the tarp on, he'd slide back and forth across and then jump up with like his hands up. And like, you've got all these O's fans in the stands at old Memorial stadium, like just cheering their asses off in the rain, hanging out for only that reason in the rain, no matter how bad it was. I mean, the game was canceled. It was done, but out came Rick, Rick Dempsey. He was having fun one way or another. Oh, it was so good. And the dude drinks on the broadcast nowadays. So he's drunk when he's caught, when he's doing like the post game on Orioles show, his cheeks are red. He Where's the worst ties? Just great, great guy. Like Jim Tom Sula. NBA. NBA? <laughs> Sheed. Yeah, we knew Rashid that. Sheed uh, Wallace. Top five player of all time, Rashid Wallace. Yep, top five NBA player. And Puck. Puck, I go with Patrick Waugh. I'm a goalie guy. I love yeah. goalies. And, dude, he was just the coolest. Just the coolest. He was so acrobatic. Oh, man. Like, he'd do flips. Like, just great, great keeper. As good as I think Matt Murray is, he's nowhere near as... Entertaining as Marc Andre Fleury because he's so big and so positionally sound. Marc Andre Fleury was so athletic, and it's the same thing with all the old school goaltenders. It was much more fun to watch goalies back then. Let's now hear from my grandma, who's very high on the Pirates. At least I think. Let's give her a call. Got to be happy. Hello, Grandma. How are you? I'm delightful. How are you? I'm delightful, too. How about them buckos yesterday? Yes, how about those buckos yesterday? I'm real happy for them. You know what? Uh, if they would have had Savelli in there, we wouldn't have lost the other games either. But he had flu-like symptoms, and he wasn't playing. My, my buddy wasn't in there. He was not. And then Diaz got run over at home plate. What would you think about that? Well, you know what? They had some uh, something to say about that. They after the game yesterday uh, last night, they had they they were going to get in a brawl about that. But you know what? Uh they said it was a payback and it wasn't, you know? And they were wanted to fight them and everything. I I think they were wrong, but we were right. I like that. I like that point of view. I do think Musgrove was trying to ruffle the feathers a little bit, though, when he slid into second base. I, I think he was. I think he was thinking about Diaz getting run over a little bit. He didn't try to hurt him, but I think he was trying to send a little bit of a message. You think so? I do a little bit. Hey, that was a much needed win, though. Whether whether or not that matters is who knows. But they needed to win that game. Yeah, they need to win the game, and we play uh, St. Louis. Tonight, four games at St. Louis, but uh, I hope we take them. But, yeah, last night I thought for sure it was touch and go, you know. And uh, did you think it was going to turn out that way? No, I thought they were going to lose. I thought they were going to give up a bunch of runs in the first inning, but I thought Musgrove did a pretty good job there. Yeah, you know, they... Hey, they got the first run, and I thought, oh, my, here it goes again. But then when Jay Hay got up there and he hit his home run, it tied it up in the first inning. They not, they didn't get another one after the first inning, but we only got another one. So it came out two to one, but uh, my heart was in my mouth the whole time. <laughs> what, what do you think about Austin Meadows, the young guy? I think he's terrific. You know what, Adam? I told you that we have a good team, 
And you can't be a fair, you know, when they're winning, you can't say you like them, and when you're losing, you lose them. You either like them or you don't. And I'm, uh, I stick by my Pirates. I think they have a good team. They're a young, young team. They all get along. They go out together, and they stick up for one another. And I think they're terrific. And, yeah, when somebody's not in it, why it's a little bit scary, but uh, I don't care if they come out in last place. I love my Pirates, and they're my home team, and I'll always love them. Well, I'll always love you, lady. Yeah, I love you too, Adam. You be good, okay? I will. I'll talk to you later. All right, you be good. I hope so too, just for you, okay? Okay. All right, love, love you, lady. Be good. I will, honey. Bye-bye. That's my grandma. Grandma D. When the Pirates lose, it makes great content, but when they lose, it kills her, and that makes me upset. She's 90 years old. It makes my heart hurt. It just makes my heart bleed for her. Coming up next, are you okay with vigilante justice if the league doesn't act? And is baseball beyond saving? It's a Crowley Show.